Today, we continue the tale of the RMS Titanic. When we left off, the ill-fated ship was approaching the Titanic. Oh, okay. The the RMS Titanic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. White Star Line. A Royal Majesty ships. Yes. Right? (laughs) I, uh, right? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Majestic. uh, Majestic ships, Titanic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Things, you know, things were cool. We were talking about the decks. We were talking about the pools. We were talking about the notable uh, beautiful people. suites. The the notable people. That's right. Um, and uh, when we left you, dear listener, mm-hmm. the ill-fated ship was approaching Newfoundland on her, so far, uneventful voyage. Yeah. And what happened next has reverberated throughout history and continues to haunt, shock, and amaze. And thrall. <laughs> Captivate. Yeah. And disappoint. One day I'm going to get down there. <laughs> you will. Well, we're going to find out that there's a there's a time uh, limit on that. The clock is ticking on visits to the Titanic. I was watching the Jeopardy Masters tournament, and there was mm-hmm. a guy who mm-hmm. said that he had the opportunity to go down to the Titanic, but he couldn't do it because it was his son's wedding. Okay, that well, day. his son that's should what, have rescheduled. That's what I said. If he really wanted his father there. Uh, as as a, a man who's recently had a son. If that kid got me, I don't I mean, give a shit. Like, I'm it would be nice, the Titanic right? 10 times out of 10. It would be nice 10. for him to get married, but you're going to the Titanic. Yeah, reschedule the wedding. Do the wedding at the Titanic. Well, yeah, I, I don't really too. understand what's so hard about this. <sighs> <sighs> well, me off. I guess I will. I, okay, well, <laughs> cool off. Cool off. Easy. Breathe. All right. All right. <laughs> Count to 10 or 100, whatever mm-hmm. helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe this will help if I said, I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. And and like many of the ships we cover, we are going down. Is this correct? Uh, hey, we've been canceled yeah, by Rooster Teeth, is this correct? I thought we were going to talk about it at the end. Well, no, they should get it out of the way. Yeah, the I guess, I guess, yeah, we can. <laughs> Why you know why didn't why didn't the Titanic just hit the iceberg right when it took off? Know, you know? know, waiting till the end, that's you you dupe people. Yes, exactly. that's right. This is the last episode of Ship Hits the Fan. Uh this is not a bit. It is not a joke. We have been canceled. Um and if if you take issue with that, you can write your uh, local Congressman. congressperson. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or just, you know, send emails off into the void. Um, we'll talk about it more at the end, but this has been such a joy to do. Uh, and it has been really cool to see how many, uh, like-minded, uh, weirdos and nerds have responded to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak, I say that as, uh, a weirdo and a nerd. I will not say who is who, but yeah, you know, the yeah. debate can happen in the comments for that. Uh, anyway, just, just to say that I'm really grateful. Patrick, I'm grateful to you. Mm-hmm. Of course you are. I'm grateful to God. Yep, number one, uh, first and foremost. And, well, number two, because I'm grateful to the sea. And number three, our president. <laughs> Whoever it may be. Whoever time it of is listening. when you listen. <laughs> we stand by that statement. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, yes, yes, we are going down with the ship, though. Mm-hmm. We will be, once, <laughs> once this episode is delivered to the RSS feed, we will be taken out back and shot. That's right. That's right, baby. So in a kiddie pool, drowned and shot. Yeah. 
<laughs> like podcasters in a barrel. Mm-hmm. Listen, in lieu of an intro, I will simply let you know that a 639-foot-long cargo ship ran aground in Detroit this morning oh. as of recording. Okay. Fortunately slash unfortunately, depending on where your allegiances lie, the ship was freed a few short hours later and sent on its way. No pollution, no damage to the island or the ship, no injuries. Everyone was on their way. But, you know, there is that small part of us that hopes for another ever given. I know. You know, it it's was not a small it was part. That, it's a big part of us. It, it's a huge part. I mean, the, yeah. the Suez Canal incident is why we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, so no, it's, it's not. But it is for me. It's a, it's a very <laughs> small part of it. It's an enormous part. No. It puts ships on the map in a way they had never been before. <laughs> I don't no one know. knew I don't what know a boat that. was. Nobody knew what a ship was before that. I did. Yeah, well. Okay. But just now this we one, though, that we're covering weirdo. today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just the one. Yeah, well, it, it seems fitting that um, today a ship should run aground mm-hmm. uh, in Motor City, baby. Out of respect for the show. Yeah, out of respect for the show. Uh, we only wish that they had blocked more uh, <laughs> traffic and trade. I know. I know. What are you going to do? Headed to, I guess, Gary, Indiana? Canada? Somewhere. Yeah. Who cares? Anyway, let's talk about the Titanic. Uh, at the end of the last episode, the iceberg had been sighted, uh, but also it was said that ice wasn't going to really be an issue. No. No, not at all. So. At 11.40 p.m. on April 14th, one of the lookouts spotted an iceberg and alerted the bridge. Mm -hmm. The first officer gave the order to steer around the iceberg, but it was too late. They'd already scraped the portion sitting below the water. So this created a number of holes below the waterline of the Titanic, and many believe that the iceberg punctured the hull. That's not the case! I mean, it's it's. I think it's up for debate. I think there's some controversy here. Take what here. you know about the Titanic, ball it up, throw it away. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, so uh, uh, some say the series of holes was created from substantial denting of the overlapping steel plates on the bottom portion of the ship. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned before, they were hammered by hand uh, <laughs> or hydraulics, but they were not welded into place and hammered rivets. We've said it a million times, haven't we? We will say it a million times more. Mm-hmm. The only difference is the microphones will be off. Yeah, because we'll be put, talking put to away ourselves. in their mahogany yeah. cases. Not even to each other. No, no, no. It's the last time I'm talking to Patrick. That's right. <laughs> or seeing. <laughs> right now. Even, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a, yes, exactly. Uh, anyway, as the dents grew more severe, um, these panels failed and separated. I was going to do a, a Where's Harvey thing. Harvey Dent. This breached five of the watertight compartments immediately. Probably bad. Well, it's it's not great. Uh, it kind of goes against what's in the name. Mm-hmm. Despite the advertisement of the safety of these watertight, so-called watertight compartment systems, the ship was only designed to have four of them flood. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, dang. Oopsies. <laughs> Oops. Uh, sir, <laughs> this was the craziest thing, but uh, four did... Flood, but then a fifth one also flooded. Then an additional fifth one did the, flood then as well. <laughs> Sir, uh, it seems that four compartments have flooded. Oh, that's fine. Our, our system is oh, built perfect. To, to entertain that. And it's one like, more. Well, and one more. <laughs> I wasn't finished. And also another one. So f- five, I guess. One. Five total. Should have led with that. Yeah. I apologize, Four and uh, one captain. flooded. Four, four contain. Don't worry. Hey, Captain, four compartments flooded and one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so within minutes, it's clear that the ship is going down. 
Not a, sl- not a slow realization for the unsinkable ship, which, again, was mostly touted after the ship sank, you know, for that maximum irony yeah. in coverage. So the Titanic began to sink immediately, bow first. Mm-hmm. This caused even more compartments to fill as she tilted deeper and deeper into the water. Yeah. Captain, there's four and one, and then seven more compartments have water. I hope, is that, is that okay? Oh, no, that's the worst thing that could have happened. Oh, shoot. Well, don't tell me it's more than four. It's five. It is. It's yeah, five. It's and then also more. Yeah. It's actually a lot. And now more. <laughs> and hold on. And now more. <laughs> actually, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. It's more water. Uh, because some of these compartments were contained on the same decks as third-class cabins, good, many of the cabins began to flood and fill, giving those passengers no time to escape. Uh-oh. Well, they should have thought of that when they didn't have enough money to buy a nicer ticket. Exactly. For those passengers in the upper decks, they climbed to the top for safety. The passengers were far from prepared for this level of emergency. They rushed to the lifeboats, but as we covered last week, there were only spaces for about a third of the passengers on board. Mm-hmm. Hmm, now, you figure there's three classes. Which third? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. The goal with the lifeboats would have been to ferry the passengers to and from another ship, but the passengers, they didn't understand this, these foolish passengers. They saw these lifeboats as their only lifeline. I mean... I feel like that's not on them. Right. That's fair. Lifeboat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, But there was no other ship. Or was there? Oh. So this section of the script is called The Other Ship. The SS Californian is another British steamship that was in the area the night the Titanic sank. According to modern calculations, the SS Californian was between 10 and 19 nautical miles away from the Titanic as she sank. She's also said to have seen the Titanic's distress rockets, and those are engaged to lift the ship into the air yes. and to safety? Yes, I, yes. I would into assume. dry land. <laughs> well, they should have just used those sooner. Um, yeah, she saw the rocket, the distress signals, uh, and potentially saw the ship as she went down. In a Senate inquiry following the sinking, evidence was presented that if the SS Californian had responded to the rockets or distress signals, they could have saved nearly all of the passengers and crew of the Titanic that night, using lifeboats to ferry them from the sinking ship to their ship. Yeah. Well, ah, what are you going to do? There were no charges filed, and the captain of the SS Californian, Stanley Lord, would fight his entire life to argue that the SS Californian could not have saved a significant amount of people that night. They I could. Mean, the fact that they, they saved any, they uh, even if it wasn't significant, saving one person would have been... Yeah, that would well, be... Yeah. I mean, that seems... Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are you going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some argued that he would have reached the Titanic around the time of the RMS Carpathia, who actually did perform the rescue, mm-hmm. uh, and this would have saved a lot of people. Many would have still died in the water, but it wouldn't have hurt, I don't think. Probably not. Uh, it's impossible to say without absolute certainty, which is why we will be traveling back in time um, to a- ascertain this for certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's why this podcast can't continue, because we are traveling back to before RSS feeds. Yeah, yeah. It's Marconi. It's We're going to be doing a Marconi show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, so study up on that Morse code, fellas. Yeah, yeah. The SS Californian was sunk November 9th, 1915 by German submarines in the Mediterranean in World War One. So, so they did get their That's what you, that's what you yeah. get. Yeah. <laughs> Karma. 
Anyway, back to the initial impact of the ship at hand, the RMS Titanic of the White Star Line. Mm -hmm. The initial impact had flooded four and one compartments that spanned (laughs) the lower decks, as we said. Uh, And as the watertight, uh, but big quotes on that, doors on these compartments began to fail, water spilled into the hallways, cabins, and common areas. Passengers on these decks had an impossibly short window of time to climb to higher decks if they had any hope of making it to a lifeboat. A handful of them heard the crash and moved even before the upper decks understood what was happening. I mean, that's what you got to do. I mean, you've got to... When I go on one of these ships, I'm bringing a canary. Yeah. They don't work exactly the same as they do no, in a coal mine. probably not at but all. But yeah. it's definitely not... It doesn't hurt No, to bring a, little, a delicate yellow bird. Yeah. I bring a guy in a, in a tiny bird cage, and he'll he'll tell me if something is coming. Anyway, it was late. Many were sleeping. There was no way to get word to those passengers fast enough. Many of the third class passengers awoke to find their cabins filling with water, and all of their potential escape routes already flooded. <sighs> On the decks above, the first and second class passengers had more time to react, but even then. Securing a lifeboat and surviving the wreck was not guaranteed. Yeah. They had to make their way to the promenade deck and hope that there was enough room aboard for the lifeboats. Benjamin Guggenheim, for example, was awoken by his servants who had heard the crash in their cabin and quickly ran to warn Benjamin and his mistress. Okay. <laughs> let that let that sit. Yeah, Shouts out. <laughs> no. Benjamin. Okay, Ben. Okay, Benji. They reached the lifeboats where Benjamin helped his mistress and her maid into lifeboat number nine. Okay. He then told them he would see them again shortly once the boat was repaired. Now, he also is quoted as saying, if you approach my wife, I don't know what I'll do. I will come back from hell. Yeah, I will find you. And I I'll will find sure you. I'll get you back on the ship and sink it again. <laughs> I will build this ship again. <laughs> Twice over. I will find that iceberg, which is still out there. <laughs> I mean, it's a large mass of ice and so much of it is below the surface. Mm-hmm. Some of it could have stayed solid, this. but we've been, through this. we've been through this, and I don't think we're going to come to an agreement on this. We're just going to have to yeah. agree to disagree on our right. both I'm right. perfectly valid I'm right. points. Well, I'm I right. mean, it's, yeah. it's debatable. Verifiably. Anyway, uh, after the mistress carrying lifeboat launched, Benjamin admitted to his valet that he was well aware that the situation was more serious and they were not likely to survive. The valet said, huh? Yeah, wait, what? What, what, what? Why am I, I part I, of this with you? <laughs> He's like, I would have gotten on the boat. Yeah. Well, goodbye. We'll find you. And it's like, we are not making it off this boat. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Hmm? I make two pennies a day working for you. Well, that being said, the two men returned to their cabin, put on their finest evening clothes, and according to the account of Rose Amelie, Okay. Yeah. Sure. Of Rose Amelie, Benjamin put a flower in the lapel of his jacket and said, We've dressed up in our best and are prepared to go down like gentlemen. He relayed one last message to one of the passengers in the lifeboats. He said, If anything should happen to me, tell my wife in New York that I've done my best in doing my duty. <laughs> and and not to not to look too much into the survivors. And, yeah, not to uh look into the, the reservations I booked. Yeah, yeah. How many tickets I bought. <laughs> Margaret Molly Brown helped multiple other passengers board lifeboats before finally abandoning ship herself in lifeboat number six. However, once in the water, Brown realized that their lifeboat was far from full and the water around them was teeming with other passengers dying in the cold water. She begged the crewman in charge of the lifeboat, Robert Hitchens, to go back for more people, 
but he refused. Yeah, they were really worried that like people were gonna just tip the boats trying clambering to get in. Yeah, well, well, Robert so should have thought about them half. <laughs> they left the third them full in the water. Yeah. yeah. Well, Robert should have thought of that when he was the crewman at the helm when the ship hit the iceberg. Well, okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. He's like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, I can't be here. It's you know who I am? Him. It's bad for him. It's a bad look. Not to be deterred, Molly Brown threatened to throw Hitchens overboard herself. <laughs> Before she could act on this threat, their boat was rescued by the Carpathia, and she immediately began organizing committees and resources for survivors. Some first-class passengers had as much advance notice as possible. The Astors, for example, were notified by the captain himself that the ship was sinking. Oh, okay. Captain Smith awoke Astor, who in turn woke up his wife, telling her initially that the damage to the ship was not serious. They did not immediately move to the lifeboats, as Astor still believed the ship to be unsinkable. Oh my god, the captain is personally telling you when you are squandering this. He was reported to have said that he and his wife were safer on board than in the lifeboats. Good call. When they finally did make their way to those lifeboats, Astor made sure his wife was loaded first along with her nurse. He asked if he could accompany her because she was pregnant, but was told he could not board until they had boarded more women and children. Mm -hmm. He then asked for a number of the lifeboats who could find his wife later. She and her nurse survived aboard lifeboat four. John Jacob Astor IV, however, was last seen smoking a cigarette with writer Jacques Futrell as the ship slipped beneath the sea. Kind of casual, right? That's nice. Enjoying the breeze. Oh, brisk. (laughs) It's a chilly one tonight, isn't it, Jacques? We're definitely going to die. (laughs) Huh? What? What? (laughs) I just wanted the cigarette. (laughs) Uh, Astor had the unique distinction of being one of the only bodies identified from the wreck. They were able to make a positive ID based on his initials sewn into the lapel of his jacket. That's cool. It is neat, yeah. J. Bruce Ismay, the White Star chairman, was able to board one of the collapsible rafts stored in the ship and was rescued by the Carpathia. Reportedly, he was unable to watch the ship sink because he was overcome with emotion. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh. Oh, sorry. He's kind of widely blamed for... uh, He's not like... I don't know if he's blamed for the sinking, but he's definitely like a villain of the Titanic. Kind of just for getting on a lifeboat because he was like the CEO. And it's like, dog, you shouldn't, anyone else should have been on that boat but you. I mean, that's the most CEO behavior. Well, of though. course. I mean, that's the, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the job. Yeah, I know. Save yourself at all costs. Yeah, yeah. Once on board, Ismay managed to send the following message. Deeply regret, advise you, Titanic sank this morning 15th after collision iceberg, resulting serious lost life. Further particulars later, Bruce Ismay. And they received it and they were like, he's drunk. Again. (laughs) Regret I advise you. As soon as he relayed the information, he was placed in an opiate-induced catatonic state until the ship reached New York. Why not? Bruce is said to have been the one who reduced the number of lifeboats available on board. Great. Wow. Good guy. Charles Lytle is said to have enforced the evacuation of women and children first and managed to launch multiple lifeboats and collapsible rafts. He was dumped into the water but located one of the collapsible rafts and was able to climb inside with other survivors. He was rescued also by the Carpathia shortly after. Finally, as the ship sank, Captain Edward Smith and Thomas Andrews made their way through hallways and staterooms trying to find anyone who was still alive and had not attempted to get to the lifeboats. Captain Edward Smith just spent the whole night warning and rewarning Jacob Astor. Yeah. 
I, you, I'm telling you, you have to get off. Please leave. Andrew is also said to have paused to look upon the ship he designed while smoking for a few moments before continuing to look for stragglers. Oh. A pensive moment. Gotta be pretty heavy. Following the wreck, survivors asked Andrew's cousin to relay the following message to Andrew's mother. Okay. Interview with Titanic's officers. All unanimous that Andrews died a heroic death, thinking only of others' safety. <laughs> Extends heartfelt sympathy to all. <laughs> uh, okay. That must have meant a lot to her. I, I, I hope so. I, I suppose. Yeah. It's a different time. When men were men. Yes. Hard. Uh-huh. Yes. One by one, Captain Smith relieved any remaining crew from their duty, attempting to save all of those under his command before himself. After a final search of the deck for anyone left behind, Captain Smith went to the bridge alone where he went down with the ship. So just to give you an idea of how this stuff happened, it, the iceberg had hit at 1140, like we said. The lifeboats were then in the water by like 1230. So there was almost an hour. But it's, I mean, almost oh. an hour. Like, it took a while. It was not like super fast at first like people didn't know it was sinking Mm -hmm. it was it took a while before it was like very apparent what was happening and by then it was probably you know too late um yeah power goes off 2 10 a.m so another two hours later it took took a long time i think that's what makes this one cool so like fascinating is how long it actually took to sink especially considering how quickly they knew that it was sinking yeah it's just kind of like just stuck there with their hands in their pockets just being like well this is what's happening like a a slow train wreck yeah and then just shortly after the light after the power went out 217 a.m is when the ship finally broke in half and then it was pretty pretty quick after that yeah it was kind of a wash yeah then uh and then the movie that guy hit the propellers Mm -hmm. which surely happened The crew had not been adequately trained for an emergency of this magnitude. Clearly, they didn't know how to complete an evacuation and did not know the capacity of the lifeboats. As a result, they launched most of them barely half full. Mm -hmm. Additionally, as we mentioned, during the sea tests and final designs, the number of lifeboats had been reduced from 48 to 16. Wow. Yeah, not a lot. (laughs) They prioritized first-class and second-class passengers. Of course. And for many years, it was believed that the reason more women and children survived was because men gave up their positions in the lifeboats to save them. Mm-hmm. Which some of them did. Yeah. There are specific stories of men prioritizing the women and children in their parties. But the final boats launched were nearly all men. Hell yeah. <laughs> Boys boat. <laughs> but lads boat yeah. <laughs> shipping off <laughs> the reason women and children survived at a higher rate is more about class than gallantry oh more class than gallantry i mean that sounds like yeah. like a weird ribbon illustrated on like a whiskey bottle mm-hmm. or something like that whatever hardly any third class passengers made it to the lifeboats and there were more single men traveling alone in third class yeah first class and second who largely had standard rooms and suites were largely couples, families, and groups of people rather than single travelers. Yeah. Because of this, the women's survival rate was closer to 75%, children's were at 50, and men's were at 20. I don't like them Because of the makeup traveling in the higher classes. Mm -hmm. We need to put men back in first class. That's what we've been saying. A hundred years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Third class passengers were largely trapped below on the lower decks and drowned as the ship sank. While their cabins and decks filled with water, 
and uh, hardly anyone attempted to help or rescue them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of, uh, it's not known if it's totally true or not, but if you've seen the movie Titanic, they like lock third class up before <laughs> so that everyone else can get off first. But I mean, we've seen things like that happen. Uh, it's, it's not yeah. good to be on the lower deck of a ship. No. Um, Especially not, not back long then, ago. but ever. Ooh, really, no. But... no, not really. No, you want to be on top. Yeah. On the mast at the very top. Yep. <laughs> hanging on for dear life. You should be working in the crow's nest if you're going to be on the ship. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, with a spyglass. Mm-hmm. I never go anywhere without mine. Mm-hmm. As passengers loaded onto the lifeboats, the Titanic musicians played well-known hymns and songs to keep everyone calm. Sure, it was very calming. <laughs> yeah, it was a bagpipe and three violins played by four <laughs> The ship is almost <laughs> vertical. Water. The icy Atlantic is flooding, and there's just a bed. Be like, shut up! And the band is going, radioactive, radioactive. <laughs> All systems go. That would be hell. I would throw them overboard. <laughs> I would put more holes yeah. in the sides of the ship. I'm getting even more plates to overlap. Mm. Uh, these musicians, uh, we're pretty sure they weren't Imagine Dragons. We think. Or the Lumineers or Mumford and Sons or any one of that. Uh, ilk. Yeah. Uh, they had originally been hired out of Southampton as a trio and a quintet separately, uh, and they played in the restaurants during first class tea time. Uh, that doesn't really have any bearing on anything, but now you know. Supposedly played Nearer My God to Thee, which is also the song that's in that weird CNN apocalypse video. You know what I'm talking about? No. I think it's CNN. It might be another news station. I don't know. There's like a from the 70s or something. They made like a just in case the world ends. This and we oh. have to do one last broadcast. This is I think this I is have the heard last of this. thing that we'll ever play. It's the same song. It's very eerie. Yeah, very haunting. Mm-hmm. Ready to rock you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. The boat sank slowly for about two hours until 2.10 a.m. when the rate of sinking increased and the boat deck started to submerge. This allowed more water to pour in through hatches and grates. And as the water flooded into the ship, she broke in two between the second and third funnels. The bow slipped below the waves while the stern remained upright for a few more minutes. Yeah, I think what happened is like, so the bow goes down, but it's still attached at the bottom. And it kind of like yanked the stern the stern was lifted all the way up and as it was being pulled down it pulled the stern up almost yeah almost like vertical yeah and the stern had a decent amount of air trapped in it so it continued to float even after the the parts split across Mm -hmm. um and nearly rose to that vertical angle uh and apparently hundreds of people clung to the stern until it finally sank at 2 20 a.m that's the time you want to be there if you go back in time right that's what you want to see yeah Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. safe from safety, but like no, I'm I'm you're on in it. You're hanging on. I'm on the ship. Yeah, no, yeah, you, I'm you're hanging way out. too Irish to have ever made it to the top. <laughs> you drowned. You drowned an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the bow yeah. in the bottom You've front. You've been dead for <laughs> so long. I, I you were dead before in the, the, in before the furnaces. Mo- yeah, you were dead before most knew the ship was sinking. No, I'm one of the shipbuilders that was killed in construction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this yeah, obviously a horrible tragedy, but God, I wish I could have seen it. I know. Holy cow. 
Do you scratch your head wondering what to get your dad for Father's Day? You're not alone. Dads can be notoriously difficult to shop for, but we've got the perfect gift idea that will make him jump for joy, his very own electric e-bike. Switch things up and give your dad a gift he'll truly enjoy using. Picture him exploring the great outdoors, having a blast the way only a dad can, feeling the power of his electric e-bike. Whether it's running errands, commuting daily, or enjoying weekend activities, you'll save on gas costs and reduce your carbon footprint, a win-win. And the best part? Electric e-bikes offers financing options as low as $73 per month. They're equipped with a removable battery, bright LCD display, 7-speed gearing, and 5 levels of pedal assist for a powerful ride. I love mine. I got a lot of bike paths around, you know, where I live, so I like just taking it out for an hour or two. Or sometimes I'll just, you know, go to the coffee shop or whatever. Make this Father's Day one he'll remember. Get your electric e-bike today. Skip the played out gifts this Father's Day. He doesn't want them. Give the gift of adventure with electric e-bikes. Visit electricebikes.com to learn more and explore the epic models electric has to offer. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Passengers who did not make it into a lifeboat or did not find debris to float on were submerged into 28-degree weather. Very cold. And at those temperatures, the human body will die. And the human along with it. (laughs) And the soul, too, shall perish. (laughs) Uh, And this happens within minutes. So originally, most believed that those deaths came from hypothermia, and Mm. some did. But more likely, those in the water died of cardiac arrest from the shock of the temperature change. Alternatively, they may have breathed in too much cold water, which would prevent their lungs from functioning properly. Nearly all of them were dead within 15 minutes. Good God. Well, hang on. Because not all of them. No, not everyone. There was a... If you went into the water, you died. It was too cold. Except for Charles... I don't know how to say his last name. Joffin? Joffin? Or something like that? He was like the ship's baker. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, he just got super blasted. Yes. Yes, we've heard of this working before. Yeah. He just hung out, got drunk as hell, finally, you know, went into the water. I think he did. He threw a bunch of like chairs in. He kind of tried to help a little bit, but he was just like plastered, got in the water, was in the water for two hours treading water. Everyone else is dead. (laughs) It's unbelievable. And they pulled him out and he was fine. He had swollen feet. (laughs) We've talked about this before, how there was a guy that fell off a cruise ship, hammered. Mm -hmm. Actually, we saw this recently in in that post about the man that fought a creature of some sorts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he denied being drunk had anything to do with his adventure. Yeah, yeah. But, like, clearly, if you can't avoid going into sub-freezing temperature waters... Get so drunk. loaded. Yeah. You need to drink so much. Mm-hmm. Well, shouts out to that guy. I know. That's so cool. You So those that f- ended up in the open water but were not um, plastered beyond reason, uh, only five were helped into lifeboats. Yeah. Despite the fact that there was room for an additional 500 in the underfilled boats. Good God. Well, the boats were really far away at that point, too. Yeah. Distress signals and rockets were sent as the ship sank, but none of the ships who received those messages could reach it in time. The SS Burma estimated they could reach the ship by 6 a.m., and the RMS Carpathia would reach them around 4 a.m. The RMS Carpathia, as we've said, arrived on scene and retrieved survivors from the lifeboats and the surrounding ocean. They conveyed the remaining passengers to New York, the original destination for the Titanic. Mm -hmm. 
Sadly, the Titanic sank only a few hundred miles from their final destination. They're in the home stretch. They were relatively close. Yeah. Freaking Michael Phelps could have gotten there. Oh, yeah. Not Ryan Lochte, though. No, no. Never. Heavens, no. Absolutely not. 706 people survived the sinking. Nearly all of them had been in lifeboats. Mm -hmm. 1,517 died, making it one of the deadliest peacetime maritime disasters, Mm -hmm. of which we've covered many of the most deadly. We've covered several that are far more deadly. Several (laughs) deadly, deadly peacetime maritime disasters. But it's up there. Mm Mm-hmm. The captain of the Carpathia was later quoted as saying the Titanic had sailed directly into an ice field with large and small icebergs. Many of the surviving passengers described the same. This area is now known as Iceberg Alley. See, they're, so, they're still there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, they're not. But yeah. The same icebergs. They're still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, the RMS Carpathia spent the next three days making their way to New York City, Delayed by more ice, fog, and storms, but she was able to relay information by wireless. Okay. The limited information regarding the ship caused mass confusion in the press. Many American newspapers printed that the Titanic was being towed to port. Later that same day, corrections were released confirming that the ship had sunk and most of the crew and passengers were lost. This caused widespread chaos. Families of crew and passengers crowded all of White Star Line's offices. The Southampton office was hit the worst, as 80% of the crew came from Southampton. Good God. Yikes. Finally, on April 18th, the RMS Carpathia docked in New York, where 40,000 people were waiting in the rain to greet them. That's what what you want. You want that, Yeah. yeah. Multiple charity organizations were ready with food, clothing, shelter, and transportation for the surviving passengers. The surviving passengers immediately left for the homes of their relatives when possible. Since a good portion of the survivors were first class, some of them also chartered private trains to take them home. <laughs> it's a private it's gotta train. Be, I, I don't know. You, they lay the track in front of it like Wallace and Gromit yeah. as they're going along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 214 surviving crew members were transferred to the SS Lapland where they were given passenger cabins. Must have been fun getting yeah. on the boat. Yeah, just hopping hey, back wee! on the boat. All right, let's go out in the water. Uh, Cunard, the owner of the RMS Carpathia, gave her crew an additional month's wages for the rescue. Oh, hey. The remaining passengers of the Titanic raised an additional 900 pounds to divide among the crew. This would be about $120,000 today. Wait, whoa, what? That seems like a hefty inflation. Yeah. I mean, 1912, though. Yeah, I mean, it's almost 1000 I guess. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. The Metropolitan Opera in New York raised funds for the victims, as did many organizations in Britain. These funds were active into the 1960s, having raised millions and dispersing small amounts over time. Okay. Over 60 survivors sued the White Star Line for damages. The claims totaled almost $17 million, or nearly $500 million in today's money. That seems low. It does, actually, yeah. <laughs> it seems, it does that seem seems low. pretty low, yeah. given what happened. Yeah. Uh, this would have bankrupted the White Star line multiple times over, and so they petitioned the U.S. Supreme Court. Here we go. The court ruled that go. White Star was a limited liability company, or Beautiful. LLC. Yep. Okay. The court also ruled that the damages and loss were unforeseeable and not due to negligence. I mean... This lowered the cost of settling to about 27% of the original claims sought by the survivors. I mean, wow. the crash in a lot of ways, I think, was unforeseeable. But, like, the lifeboat situation <laughs> wasn't. No, not at all. Well, good to know that bailouts are so 
uh, indelibly linked to our uh, national it's a, DNA. It's a rich history. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful process that we see play out time and time again. Mm-hmm. These things are just too important to let fail. <laughs> also, <laughs> we will not industry. regulate them. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get into the meat of the Titanic. Oh, okay. The Senate investigations. Oh, finally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Well, it's not just the Senate, uh, but the U.S. Senate did open an inquiry into the disaster the day after the Carpathia landed. You know, these these bottom feeders in Washington can't (laughs) help but just the minute they smell blood, they get in the water. Uh (laughs) Uh, Sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They wanted to gather accounts from passengers and crew while the information was still fresh in their minds. Additionally, because most of the crew was British, they couldn't understand Southampton. Oh, listen. They needed translators. Uh, they, they, yeah, well, they did. They did. Maybe, probably not. They did need to subpoena them before they left U.S. soil. So this kept all the crew members on the SS Lapland through May. Oh, that's cool. So you just survived the most horrifying thing uh, anyone could go through. Really, maybe one of the, one of the most things. horrifying. And then things you get subpoenaed history. the next day. <laughs> you have to stay on a ship. Yeah. for two months. Good God. Or one month, I guess. Maybe a couple weeks. In the UK, the Board of Trade commenced an inquiry of their own, but many were critical of this. Some of the rules and regulations the Titanic had followed were set by the board, but those ultimately failed. Yeah, obviously. And many saw the board as biased. Okay. And sure enough, they did not find any of White Star's dealings at fault. They also argued that their regulations were sound and that this was just a tragic accident. Uh... The disaster was ruled as an act of God. With one note on the speed of the ship. Yeah, God did not. God, it doesn't please God that man should It doesn't plead God. Uh, Speaking of God, the interestingly named Lord Mercy, Mm -hmm. who led the UK inquiry, argued that the speed of the ship was excessive and could be considered negligent in the future. Not currently. Slow down, he said. They did agree that more lifeboats should be available and drills on launching and loading lifeboats should be standard practice. Additionally, an international ice patrol was established to monitor the presence of icebergs. Well, now that's cool. Yeah, I would like to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. However, these regulations were not enacted in time for two of the passengers of the Titanic. Stewardess Violet Jessup and passenger Arthur John Priest are colloquially known as the king and queen of sinking ships. Okay. Cool. Both had survived an early voyage on the Olympic the Titanic sister ship when she was rammed. The ship successfully made it to harbor, but the experience is still harrowing. Only a few short months later, they were both survivors of the Titanic. Uh Following the Titanic, they were aboard the HMHS Britannic when she sank. They survived that as well. Good God. So, at what point are you like, maybe I don't... Well, first of all, why are you crossing the Atlantic so much? Yeah, what? what, that's that's sus. Now I'm wondering what, what you're up to. Yeah. That seems like a once-in-a-lifetime voyage in 1914 or whatever. Okay, so maybe maybe your loyalty membership to the White Star Lines is not serving you well yeah. at this point. Yeah. Maybe you cancel your membership. Stay away from all Olympic-class ocean liners. Getting targeted mailers? Hey, we got a new boat. No, yeah, they all sank. Would, would love to see you there. I mean, the thing is, all ships sank. Well, you can thank Loose Lips for that. It wasn't just Olympic class White Star Lines liners. At, oh, you mean this time in history? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's all sinking. They all going s- across the ocean three times. That's like, come on. Yeah, that's you're asking for it at that point. 
The last living survivor of the Titanic, Milvina Dean, who was only nine weeks old on board the ship, passed away at the age of 97 in 2009. Damn respect. Shout out. Yeah. She didn't let the cold, icy waters of the Atlantic take her until she could throw a priceless uh, diamond. <laughs> no, that's sea. not. That didn't happen. I. Uh, that's right. Leonardo DiCaprio fell in love with a nine week old infant in the real story. I know that there was like a bunch of interviews and like kind of like stuff about her at one point which is kind of funny because it's like she's the worst person you could interview for she doesn't remember shit she was nine weeks old what the hell is she gonna what's she gonna say well five years later five years later when i started having memories uh someone told me (laughs) i was on board (laughs) they are not here with us anymore (laughs) can you speak on that yeah i remember when she died and i was like I mean, but it's, it's one of those cool. things that it's, never it's cool. quite stuck in my mind. So I'm always like, well, surely someone's still around, right? I know. It's weird how like, it is crazy how I, long ago it was. It was a long time yeah. ago. And it is weird that there's crossover of our lifetimes with people that were on the Titanic. Uh, yeah, like a pretty good amount of crossover. Pretty significant time yeah, yeah. frame. Yeah. Uh, anyway, people began looking for the remains of the Titanic almost immediately after she sank. Unfortunately, technology of the time and also World War I becoming a bigger priority drastically limited this search. Proposals for raising the Titanic were almost continuous from her sinking onward. In the 60s and 70s, multiple salvage companies attempted to get the job, but the size of the ship and her depth still made it nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. As the years went on, a number of other unsuccessful attempts were made, and while they did not locate the ship, they did provide a series of topographical maps of the ocean. The Navy was testing a new mapping and navigation system called Argo Jason, which helped control ships and could automate the use of underwater cameras. Yeah, so basically they they sort of had a pretty good idea of where the ship might be, and they did end up doing a lot of mapping of that area, which would then, like they didn't find it, but they did have a lot of data at that time of the general area that the ship was in. I mean, like, it's so hard to find things underwater, which, like, you take for granted until, like, something is made clear about just how many resources and just how much space there is to cover and just how many places it could have gone in its sinking. Mm -hmm. It's so vast. (laughs) I can't (laughs) stress this enough how vast the seas are. Yeah. So going off the Navy's information, in 1985, Professor of Oceanography Robert Ballard was chosen to head up the next search for the Titanic. And he chose to examine the DNA debris field. Where, guess what? He found her! He found the RMS Titanic! Oh! About 12,500 feet below the surface. Ballard partnered with donors to use a drill ship and a remote-controlled saw to help remove pieces of the ship and move it to a more advantageous position. However, the drill pipe broke, leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars in equipment on the seafloor. Oopsies. Oops. Well... Yeah. What are you going to (laughs) do? The ship's cursed, I tell you. So since the Titanic's discovery on the ocean floor, artifacts uh, of life on the ship have have been seen and found in museums all over the world. I know I've seen them. I've seen multiple exhibits. Uh, It is real cool. Uh, Couples have been able to submerge and get married. The grandson of a surviving Titanic crew member was even able to dive the wreck, which is very cool. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And in 2005, James Cameron visited for a third time. Yes, he'd been twice before already. He's been quite a few times. (laughs) He's been a few times, yeah. Yeah. He's contributed actually himself quite a bit to research on the Titanic. I I still, oh yeah, he's like pretty. He's one of the foremost authorities. Like he has given seminars on the Titanic to like students. I kind of still maintain that the only reason he made that movie was so that he could dive down there and see the Titanic. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third time he visited was to document items for a documentary yeah. he was making. Yeah. Unfortunately, because the ship has been underwater for so long and is made of large steel sheets, it is rapidly deteriorating. Oh, no. Though divers have made the wreck a popular destination, it is believed that the ship may collapse underwater in 2037. So, start the clock, specific. Patrick. We have 14 years yeah, <laughs> it's very specific, isn't it? <laughs> Fourteen years to get like a court, well, half a mil together for both of us. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just make sure that your son's not getting married anytime in that. No, I don't think span. so. I don't think so. I think he'd still be like, I mean, pretty young. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, at most fourteen. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, so you're, his, you're his father. Make sure this doesn't happen. You should be good. <laughs> Listen, I I don't know what's gonna happen. In this life of ours and his. Mm -hmm. But we're going to the Titanic. Oh, yeah. As of 2020, uh, well, maybe we won't. (laughs) As of 2020, the UK and US signed a protection agreement to monitor the wreck and limit the groups of divers exploring the ship as it may collapse, trapping them inside. Yeah, I mean, you can't just free dive down there, though, either. So it's like you'd have to be driving a sub through the ship. But I I get what, you know, I understand. But yeah, I mean, you can still go down and you're just not going to go in there. Which you really couldn't ever do anyway. So. Yeah. From the hundreds of dives that happened pre-2020, there are hundreds of artifacts from the Titanic documented and displayed. They frequently travel in large-scale exhibitions to museums all over the world. Originally, many of these artifacts were owned by Premier Exhibitions, a company that operated one of the largest traveling exhibitions. However, when they declared bankruptcy in 2016, that put the future of the artifacts in question. In 2018, James Cameron, National Geographic, and Robert Ballard attempted to buy the 5,500 artifacts in Premier's collection. In October of that year, the sale of these artifacts was approved by a judge and a private investor group took possession of the full lot of Titanic memorabilia and artifacts. And so the Titanic soon to collapse under the weight of 12,000 feet of ocean Mm -hmm. lives on in a private collection of artifacts that will occasionally travel and be shown to uh, school children, uh, weird adults, and us. Yeah. I mean, it's the best thing. I One of the best things I ever went to. It's so cool. Yeah. It's very cool. And they often, like, you know, and I think if I remember correctly, they play with the lights up top so it looks like you're on the seafloor when you go see the part where they're detailing the wreck at the bottom. Of course they do. Of course they do. And there's a pair of glasses and large walls of all the names of those who perished, as if that meant anything to me when I was 11. I got a lot of shit. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Where's an anchor? Yeah. I got a lot of shit. Because if you go to the Queen Mary, you know the Queen Mary in Long Beach. You're familiar? Yes, yeah. I'm Looks like the Titanic. If yeah. you go there and you go inside, you, do, you can do like, you can just walk around the ship. It's very, it's really cool. Um, but they have a lot of like small cross-section like 3d models oh yeah and i was like freaking out i was like oh my god this is the coolest thing ever and the the, the people i was with were like you're a, you're a loser <laughs> well what's wrong yeah, with you you showed them 
Because now you have a podcast. Well, well, no, you I had, had a, podcast. a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're rapidly um, approaching me not having a podcast. We're moments, <laughs> well, we're we'll minutes we away from that. me not having a podcast. <laughs> You're at the end of all things. Yep. It, it is fitting that we uh, end here on the Titanic because if you've been listening since the beginning or if you just went back and listened to the backlog this week. Or if you picked it, this that episode could be the case. to start with. You Sorry. may have. That is work backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um we did start with the SS Eastland, which turned over in the Chicago River because it was top-loaded with lifeboats in 1915 as a direct result of the Titanic <laughs> right. sinking and an overcorrection That's right. in regulations. So, yes. Full circle. Lifeboats were an issue, and the addition of lifeboats to ships that previously were not built to accommodate that many uh, caused so many more deaths. Mm-hmm. Um in the Eastland specifically, more people died than survived the Titanic. Yeah, so right. <laughs> take that as you will. Also, hey, let me give a quick, um, not a plug, but cause I oh, think everyone yeah, involved okay. is probably dead. Check out, uh, if you want, if you, if you need more Titanic, and the James mm-hmm. Cameron movie is not enough, check out the book and the movie A Night to Remember. And then there's, You've told me about this They're before. great. It's awesome. The movie's really good. It's more of just like a straightforward, it's more of like a straightforward, uh, like ship. I don't know. It, it's not a James Cameron. It's not a James Cameron movie, right? But it's still, it's there's, a really yeah, good movie. No Kate it's a really good movie though. Um, and the, and the book is awesome. There's also the, the Nazis had a Titanic movie. Yes, they did. Um, yes. I've not seen that one. I kind of want, I'm, not I really sure. want I'm sure there's now. some messaging. I kind of want to now. Yeah. I, I am curious. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think it's I like, mean, I think it's a <laughs> propaganda movie about how like. Um, how the allied powers can yes. uh, navigate between these each other. I mean, I think literally that's like pretty close to what it is. It's like something about <laughs> how like, you know, it's like the British, the the failure of the British uh, government or something led to the sinking. I mean, if you're making a whole movie about that, though, you've already lost. You're not owning anyone. No. You've spent far more resources than you should have. Mm-hmm. That's why so many Onion articles don't actually have the article. It's just about the headline. Yeah. There's actually there's actually like a ton of movies about that. Surprisingly, there's a lot of movies about the Titanic. There's not just the one. No. Which is split up across two DVDs. You can check out the 50. There's a there's one from 1953 also called Titanic that is pretty f- it's it's not bad actually. It's like a big studio movie kind of or feels like a, you know, a big 50s studio movie. Um uh, th- that's but the neat. ending is kind of funny. It's just <laughs> a lot of like men uh singing. <laughs> I I can picture it yeah, already, yeah, yeah. and like a, like a weird weird uh, jumps in in um, energy between cuts cuts that go very long. Yeah, if you want to see the one that uh, Joseph Goebbels himself uh, <laughs> was uh, a part of the production of, that's also called Titanic. Goddamn losers! Yeah, yeah. Um, also, check out Death Boat and uh, Poseidon, and uh, I don't know Deep Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea, yeah. Uh, Deep Blue Sea, definitely. Um, yeah, that's that's the Titanic. Um, the ship has hit the fan. Yeah, uh, I think we 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 might as well just end with a an honorable mention and then uh, say goodbye. You know, play uh, play ourselves. Oh, we gotta play near our, my God to the year, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, pa- uh, Patrick, it's been a pleasure podcasting with you and you. Can I get? An honorable mention, Foghorn. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you, you. <laughs> Ooh, you, you.
We end today's episode with a coda of sorts, Mm -hmm. a buttoning up of a former honorable mention. You may remember this story. Two fishermen had hauled in an impressive catch of walleye in a Lake Erie fishing tournament. Oh, yeah, of course. You've seen the video where it's just a bunch of men, like, just screaming and caterwauling about cheating. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, in a riveting turn of events caught on camera, widely shared, these men were found to have stuffed their fish with metal weights. Yes, of course. In an attempt to cheat their way into the nearly $30,000 of prize money, which I I did not realize that the stakes were so high. You didn't know how much money was in a walleye. I had no idea. I just thought it was a a fertile ground for memes for uh, Midwesterners. Uh, Anyway, accusations were slung and the scandal rocked the world of competitive walleye fishing. And, you know, it was an entertaining week. Uh, We covered it, I believe, as an honorable mention here on the show. It was a funny video. We all moved on with our lives and we forgot. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that Ohio prosecutors did not forget. And okay. <laughs> instead have sentenced each man to 10 days in jail. 10 days? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. In addition to $2,500 fines and the forfeiture of their boat, which is worth about 130 k Wait, what? Yeah. So apparently Why they had they to surrender their, their, their fishing vessel. Because they cheated uh, in a they tournament? Take this, they take this very seriously. Right. They were clearly, well, clearly they were made an example of. Yeah, but like, is what happened. by who? And the Ohio, you know, <laughs> district attorney, I guess. Yeah. Or whoever that would be. The Supreme Court of Ohio. I'm not sure, sure how the justice system works in this country. Um, I'm looking into it, though. Okay. Uh, but they, their fishing licenses are banned for three years. The prosecutor was quoted as saying that they should be banned for life, but they, they have enforced as much as the law allows them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's so funny. It's just like... <laughs> Just ban them from competition. That's all you have. Just ban them from competition. It's so easy. That's the only thing you need to do. Lament, just lamenting that. God damn it, we got away with it. I wish we could do more. I wish we could do more. But yeah, ten day jail sentences, and they are felons now. I mean, I guess because that's probably technically (laughs) fraud. Yeah, fraud. Right. Of thirty. There was something about. There's weights. What's that video? There's weights. What does he say? There's weights. Yeah, hold on. I don't know what he says, but prosecutor Michael O'Malley mm-hmm. says these two should be banned from every fishing tournament for life. They are thieves, and now they are convicted felons. All right, <laughs> so go what, for it, what man. Were the, go what for were the it. charges? Hold on. Uh, pled guilty to cheating and unlawful ownership of wild animals. Not really sure where that factored in. Um, I guess because they brought their own walleye. They and brought the them? fish. Yeah, I suppose so. Something like that. Um, okay. Well, all right. <laughs> anyway, that that does that just about does it for the walleye uh, weight scandal, mm-hmm. uh, and also for our podcast. Yeah, which feels weird. I know. Um, it's not really anything else to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> I no, I had a, a, I had a good time. I did too. I, I I had a really good time. This was very different. I would have loved to keep doing it. Yeah, and For you know eternity. what? I mean, I'm not, this is not a concrete thing, but hey, w- maybe we can get the show for ourselves yeah, uh, from Rooster Teeth, hopefully, and who knows what'll happen. Uh, there are no plans for anything to continue as of yet, Yeah. Um, so I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. It's also, this show takes a lot of work, yeah. and it would be difficult for us to do on our lonesome, uh, given all our other stuff we have going on, but- 
I mean, it's been it's been a really fun time, and I wanted to shout out some of the people that made it possible. Uh, first off, Brian, of course, um, the old heads know mm-hmm. the God BG, yep. the God King BG. Mm-hmm. Made this show what it was. He wasn't even supposed to be a host, but then we were like, we this guy, I don't know what this guy's through. got, but it's it. Well, yeah, we, we kind of were like, we, you're, you're on him now. No, we, I mean, yeah. Uh, oh, I see we, what you're saying. Yes, we're like, we want Brian. Give us Brian. But yes, we were we were insistent from from day one that there was only one man who could write and uh, co-host the show with us, and that was Brian. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't so have been what it was. salute him. And, you know, uh, shouts out to Omar Darmus for for uh, advocating for the show at every turn mm-hmm. and basically making it happen. Yeah. Uh, it would not have been the show it was without him. And, of course, I want to thank... You wouldn't have gotten another... You wouldn't have gotten this season without him. <laughs> no, you would not have. So, uh, you know, you would not have known what happened to the Titanic. No, you would have been in the dark to this day. <laughs> and I want to thank everyone that, you know, contributed to the show. Uh, Kelly on editing, mm-hmm. Paige on writing, Stevie on art, uh, all the f- uh, fans out there and people online who have uh, tagged us in so many amazing articles. You single-handedly fueled most of our honorable mention choices. Yep. <laughs> and some yep. episodes, too. We would get yeah, we together at the top of every season and say, okay, what are people sending us? And, um, yeah, it was it was just really cool. And I, I, I have been... I don't want to get sappy or sentimental, but it's also... It's rare that you get to do something totally different and new. Yeah. And we got to do that and for five seasons, no less, yeah, yeah. which is like crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And so thank you to everybody. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that's it, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than uh, may your bones bleach in these sands. Bye, everybody. Bye.